Amen. Dr. Paul, I'm very excited to have you uh, here. I know that uh, it's, it's, it's long distances away and yet you constantly uh, continue to be available uh, to us. And I want us to just jump right into our discussion. I also know that uh, you're a busy man. I, I know a little bit about your history as well. You have been a missionary to Japan and that was a long time ago. But now you continue to train students with the National Theological College and Graduate School. Mm-hmm. I know that we have locations in the Middle East, Egypt, and, uh, and now in East Africa, Uganda, uh, to be specific. I know that you also try to be present for those classes throughout all the locations uh, throughout the year uh, when you can. Yes. Today, we're going to talk about planning. And just looking back at the last maybe two to three years with your busy schedule and and the schedule for the school, um, we want to find out, the truth is COVID must have hit you or hit your schedule at least <laughs> as hard as it hit the rest of us. Yes. And yet here you are standing tall. Uh, we've just graduated several students uh, this year from those locations. Mm. It must have taken lots of precision planning. Mm. Tell us, how did you survive COVID? Not in the physical health sense, but in the disruptive sense, Dr. Paul. Yes, yes, David. I um, um there's so many things that I could say. I got up early this morning just really um, praying and seeking God's uh, direction concerning our conversation today. Um, planning is a very, very important topic, um, and it is so, so, it, such an integral part of our ministry. Um, and it's just hard to know where to begin. I, I actually reviewed, uh, went through about, uh, I have 150 books on leadership because that is my specialized area of study. Um, I did my doctoral studies in this, uh, in this field. And there are literally thousands of books now on leadership that have come out in the last few years. And a part of that uh, a part of those books, uh, an integral part of those books, is the topic of leadership. But uh, more important than that, um, there is a passage of scripture, David, that I always review when I have to make decisions or those decisions that I've made uh, have been interrupted and changed And uh, that passage is found in Proverbs chapter 16. So if it's all right with you, that's where I would like to begin, is just looking at this one verse of Scripture uh, found in Proverbs 16, 9, that says, "The The mind of man directs his steps. I'm sorry, the mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And that is simply a a very, very amazing verse for a number of reasons. Um, It, uh, but there's, it just boils down to two things really in the in the topic of planning. 
And that is, first of all, from this verse, as well as parallel verses in the book of Proverbs and throughout scriptures, it's very evident that God expects us to plan. That's why he gave us a mind. And uh, that is very clearly indicated in scriptures. But at the same time, uh, Jeremiah, James, uh, other authors in the scriptures remind us that we can't do that by ourselves. Um, I was reading a commentary on um, this verse this morning in uh, Matthew Henry's commentary, and he, he says two very simple things. He said, man in this verse is represented to us, first of all, as a reasonable creature, and the ad is that he has the faculty of contriving for himself. Um, this is in contrast to animals who are, are incapable of planning. They don't have that mental facility to plan uh, like man does. But then he reminds us, Matthew Henry reminds us, as a depending creature that is subject to the direction of and dominion of his maker, if men devise their way so as to make God's glory their end and his will their rule, they may expect that he will direct their steps by his spirit and grace. I thought that was just so well stated uh, in this commentary. So uh, interestingly, David, you mentioned that we worked in Japan as well as currently work in the Middle East where there is very much a fatalistic view of life. It's, it's a worldview that says God is um, this person that sits up in the heavens with his arms folded and his back turned to man, and he cares absolutely nothing about him as a person. Um, and there is a fatalistic view of life uh, expressed in the term insha'Allah, which means if God wills. And now their concept of God willing is, is, again, not a personal deity, not one who has created us in his image, but as a distant uh, kind of puppet controller who just... Uh, uh, very nonchalantly plans for man's future and he takes one out or he lets one go. Um, this is their view of God. Uh, but as we know, as you and I know, David, from the scriptures, God is a loving God and he has a wonderful plan for all of our lives. And it's our duty to find out what that plan is by reading the scriptures, by God changing our mind so that we begin to think his thoughts and our desire then is to glorify him and to find out what his plan is. And God does that, first of all, by helping us think correctly and then by giving us friends in this world, godly friends who help us to choose the right path and then by watching the circumstances of life, 
that again uh, happen in God's control, and then we make decisions in the midst of those circumstances. So you mentioned COVID. Uh, COVID was an interruption to many of our plans. Uh, none of us anticipated it, and the worldwide scale of it made it that much more complex and difficult in the decision-making process. But what is so fascinating to me, David, as we return from two and a half months of travel in the Middle East and East Africa is to discover that in the middle of this chaos and uh, seemingly uncontrolled pandemic, God was very, very much and is very much at work in the hearts and lives of his children. And he's using this circumstance to further his, his uh, glory and his plans for man. So that's a long answer <laughs> to a, a short question. But yes, we had plans uh, and those plans had to be changed. But as we adjusted those plans, we we still saw the glory of God. We still saw um, the building of his church throughout the world. And um, God used these very negative circumstances to bring glory to himself. I hope that answers your question. Yes, 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 it does. Um, and long answers are good because they put context uh, mm. to, to the question, but... You know, one of the things I do remember you talking about was that statement, um, the Lord wills, if the Lord wills. Yeah. Um, and I remember you giving us an example, I think, of a train in Egypt where you ask, <laughs> uh, what time will the train be here? And yeah. no one can actually give you an answer. Yeah. Why? Because no one knows. According to them, they do not know. It's kind of the opposite of what we know of uh, the American lifestyle <laughs> Not just American, but the Western, yeah. with the airports, because they seem to know when the plane will be there. Yeah. But uh, again, if you're watching the screen uh, uh, clearly, there's there's a column there that has status. Sometimes it's on time, scheduled, cancelled. And as much as we want to know exactly when, yeah. we still find those inconsistencies, even with our planning. And so... Um, don't you think there is a point to that philosophy? Um, if you, someone asked you, what time would you would, are you going to be for the meeting? Mm. And instead of saying 8 a.m. sharp or yeah. 8 p.m. sharp, don't you think it allows more room for someone to just simply say, God willing? I mean, even Christ, I think, must have referred to that kind of philosophy when yeah. he said many are planning. I says tomorrow we'll do this. Tomorrow we'll do that. Today we'll do this. But he mm. says, uh, I'm, and I'm just really paraphrasing, but mm. in, in, in his answer, he's saying, leave room, a lot of room. In fact, if we're using the room analogy, the entire room belongs to God. You do not know, mm. just simply wait for tomorrow. What do you have to say, uh, Dr. Paul, in relation to that and mm. the extreme of having no plan at all? Yes, yes. Um it's very clear. You you mentioned that verse uh, and what our Lord says. It, it, it actually, in the book of James, uh, James uh, very clearly stated that when man plans, he he must uh, recognize 
that um, that it in the bottom line is that God is the is the final authority in terms of what happens in our own personal lives or in the world about us. But the danger is that we just take that one verse and we don't compare it with other verses of scripture. And, and it is very, very clear that um, if, as we look at the book of Proverbs, not only this verse in Proverbs 69, but multiple verses throughout the book of Proverbs that there is still man's responsibility and it almost seems like a paradox to us. It's it's sort of like the, the issue of salvation, okay? There are some, we call them Calvinists, who are very much extreme on the sovereignty of God in the salvation process to the point of, you know, man has absolutely nothing to do with his salvation. It's it's all of God, and man has nothing to do with it. But we know that God created us with a free will, with a will to choose and to deny and to say no to God. Uh, or we have the, the opportunity to say yes to him. And again, this is a whole nother debate on uh, the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. I, I like what um, Spurgeon said when someone one day asked him, how do you reconcile the sovereignty of God and the free will of man? And <laughs> Spurgeon said to the individual, look, don't try to reconcile friends. They're part of the same person. <laughs> and it's like, you know, once we try to reconcile these two different ideas of man's responsibility with God's sovereignty, the more we try to explain it, the more the more confused we become. And I think we just have to accept both of them as we see in Scripture in the lives of God's children. Uh, take, for example, Joseph. Um, here was a man who found himself in Egypt at a time when the history of the world of that day was was very much in jeopardy because of a worldwide famine. And here was Joseph planning years in advance for that famine because God had gifted him to be able to do that. And then when the famine came, he was ready. He, he was able to save both the country of Egypt as well as the country of Israel because he planned in advance for this worldwide crisis. And so I think we as believers have to do the same thing. There's a little interesting phrase. Uh, it goes like this. Um, if you fail to plan, you should plan to fail. Because simply uh, sitting back and saying, um, well, this is the way things are, and my fate, uh, in Buddhism they call it karma, in Islam it's this inshallah idea that I have absolutely no control over the circumstances of life, and I just sit back and I wait for 
this fate to overtake me. Um, I just think both attitudes are very, very dangerous. On the one hand, saying I, I don't have any responsibility to plan, I'm just going to let things happen. Or on the other hand, to say everything depends on me. And so therefore, if I, if I fail, uh, it's all my fault. Uh, or I, uh, it, everything is dependent on me. It's a prideful spirit, a boastful attitude that says I'm in control of all of life. And you and I know that that's not true because there are some things that will happen in life that are totally out of our control. So what do we do in those events? Well, I think we can continue that discussion next. The example of uh, Joseph that you just gave, I think, perfectly resolves uh, this um, difficult scenario of uh, the responsibility of man and God's sovereignty. It's him that directed him on yeah. uh, on what was coming and mm. gave him the wisdom to plan. And we yeah. see two nations really literally preserved. Mm. Um, and, and so thank you. Thank you so much. Dr. Paul, I also know that uh, you are a pilot. Yes. Um, and... I do not know much about uh, planes. Uh, the best I can do is drive <laughs> a car. But, but sometimes you fly in your car, don't so you? <laughs> <laughs> it feels like I'm flying. It feels like. <laughs> yes. But the, the thing is this. It must require extreme precision. I've, mm -hmm. I've, had a, I've had a chance to peep into the cockpit and you are not going to find two pedals and uh, one gear lever and a couple of AC buttons. Uh, it's a different dashboard altogether. It's, yes. It looks, it just looks confusing. And uh, maybe for those of you who uh, remember the scientific calculator and the normal calculator, talk, think about the, the cockpit as a scientific calculator with yeah. letters. But it's, it's interesting. Um, it is in very rare circumstances that the plane will wait for you. And by rare, I mean extremely rare. Um, I also know that a 10 minutes cost, a 10 minutes delay can cost the airline lots of dollars. Yes. Um, I, I know for sure that if a passenger misses a connecting flight mm -hmm. to, due to a delay caused by, by the airline, they sometimes pay the hotel room and, mm -hmm. uh, and meals. And of course, depending on which airline, but, if there are several passengers, therefore, who have missed that connecting flight, the mm. cost goes up really, really quickly. Yes. As, as we talk about planning, mm. is life that precise? Must we must we live on our toes like that? Um, mm. I, I I don't know. It's I say this because I. I I see it on at the airport. Maybe because planes are leaving and departing, but everyone mm. is tensed up. Yeah. Everyone is tensed up. You, you, even waiting to make an order at at a, at, at a restaurant feels like you're wasting time. Um, mm. Everyone is fast, but that's according to me is too much pressure. You've been to Africa, and mm. there's a slogan that says there's no hurry uh, in mm. Africa, and we all seem to be alive. <laughs> those who are panicking, <laughs> and yes. those who are just they just and this not the insha. Allah kind of attitude. It's just that there's just no hurry. We don't have to just enjoy life. How can we enjoy life, Dr. Paul? I know you have moments also where you slow down mm. and, and just take a deep breath. But 
talking about precision as as a pilot mm. is that is that what life should be and i'm asking this in also in relation to some of the tools that you use to plan um your life mm. i know you have an excel form uh for a week for a month for years that is extremely precise what are the benefits of being that precise and some of the if for lack of a better word disadvantages of living a life with extreme precision dr paul yes um once again i i go back to that phrase david that um i i mentioned a little earlier um if we fail to plan we can plan to fail that's just what's going to happen um a lack of planning on our part um is is very irresponsible because that's why god gave us a mind he gave us um this very famous uh, detective movie series called Poirot. I don't know if you've ever watched it before. Uh, Poirot always is famous for the phrase, my little gray cells. He's talking about his mind. And uh, so God gave us a mind to think. We're, we're like I said earlier from Matthew Henry, um, you know, we're, we're different from animals in that we have this ability to reason and to think and to plan. So on the one hand, yes, for example, flying. In fact, yesterday I went flying and uh, it was a very interesting. I took my father, who is over 100 years old. Yeah, he had begged me to take him flying again and so I, I willingly consented to do that. When we got airborne, he said to me, son, did you file a flight plan today <laughs> before you took off? Oh, no. Well, when, when you fly long distances, yes, the FAA, the Federal Administration, Aviation Administration here in America requires you to file a flight plan just for your own safety. Um, you know, when you bump into another aircraft 10,000 feet above the ground, it can ruin a wonderful day of flying. And so if you don't plan and you don't carefully navigate um, it, like they say, we aviate, we pilots always say jokingly, yes, it'll ruin a good day of flying. So yes, it takes planning to get to the destination. And there are all kinds of instruments nowadays that make it so much simpler. Uh, in fact, as we got airborne yesterday, I pointed to our GPS on the aircraft on the uh, plane, and it plainly showed that we were on course. Uh, we would arrive at our destination, but at the same time, what was very interesting yesterday, we flew at a time of day when the sun was just about to set, and so we were flying right into the sun. And it was a little bit dusty and hazy. And so I couldn't see the airport. So I was trusting in my instruments. And all of a sudden, the air traffic controller came on and said to me, look, you need to fly north for the next 10 minutes because you are flying direct to the airport, but you are not doing what's called a straight-in approach. So yes, I planned. Yes, I was following my instruments. But I was also dependent upon this air traffic controller who had a bigger picture than I did um, to get me to my destination safely. So we do all of the planning 
but we still need help when we're out there flying. And that's where air traffic control comes in and they can see the big picture on their big screen. They see all the other planes in the area. Uh, they see certain dangers, imminent dangers, and they warn us about those. So that's what makes for a safe day of flying is not only your planning, but also the air traffic controller who has the big trick, big, big picture on his huge radar screen. And he's watching all of the other planes in the air and uh, he can guide you to your destination safely. Now, yes, in the aircraft, we also have radar so we can see those things. But sometimes we're so busy navigating that we miss um, miss some of those things. So that's where the air traffic controller um, has the big picture and helps us get to our place. And as we come to the end of our time, I'm going to push uh, this concept a little bit further. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just bringing the aspect of guilt. And this is going to be my last question. Um, and, and, and this is how I'm going to put it. I've read a book, um, I forget, I think it's The Four Disciplines of Execution, Mm. that use the analogy of the air traffic controller um, and their priority. Mm. Uh, and, and it said priority is to land the planes, that mm. the planes which are landing, and if anything happens, their priority is to concentrate on those that are landing. Yes. Not to put as many planes as they can in the air, but to land them safely, mm. especially those that are approaching. And it's interesting that even in life, when we come to a point of crisis, there should be moments, I mean, there should be priority, even in moments of crisis. Mm. Uh, Of course, life definitely uh, is a priority. And I I remember when things were shutting down, I don't understand why the Americans, uh, we saw this on the news, prioritize toilet paper uh, at that point. (laughs) Uh, uh, That is still a mystery until today. Um, And I know for us back home, it was a different story. Um, Mm. People tried to buy as much as as they could in terms of food. And Mm. they they emphasized buying powdered food, food that could last longer, not perishable foods like like, uh, tomatoes and bananas. And Dr. Paul, when it comes to crisis, Mm. What are some, and you can take any scenario in this in this example. Mm. What what are what are your priorities? Um, let's take maybe the school as an example. When it comes to crisis, what are what are your what, what are your I mean, what are your priorities when it comes to crisis? One of the things that I also under, was able to see mm. is you you did compromise a little bit on the stand of NTCGS, and I know mm. that NTCGS drew a line in the sand and said we are not an online school. Yes. And yet during the lockdown, we mm. did some of that. Mm. Uh, and I think I want to guess that priority was to keep the students studying no matter the yeah. cost. Mm. And eventually we'll get back to course, which we are doing right now, going back, mm. getting back to our course and having physical classes and mm. cutting down on, uh, on online presence. But again, I, I don't want to give an answer to a question I've just asked, but it was just an example. Number one live podcast Sundays at 9 p.m. East African time.